0: Beyond the Mic with Sean Dillon. We're joined on the Starline by a pair of musical artists separated by 5,642 miles, but have found a mission restoring the world despite seemingly overwhelming odds. We welcome Olivier now and Andrew Doolittle, also known as Annie Solar. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey, hey, Sean, how are you? Absolutely great, gentlemen. Let's go on the mic. The anti-solar point is 180 degrees from the sun. Why was anti-solar such an appropriate name as your band? Good one,
1: Olivia. Do you want to start? Um, yeah. I was actually going. I was going to delegate to you on that one, but no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the end, the the general project with Andrew just felt always felt a bit galactic for us we wanted this journey we talked about the sort of journey that we'd be taking similar to the two of us given the amount of time that we've known each other the amount of time that some of these songs took to gestate and over the years uh it was it was just it was the sort of theme and the band name wanted to reflect that we went through quite a few over the last few months you know and and, and we just none of them really sat right and andrew yeah, had a stroke of genius lightning as far as we're concerned, you know, he he just one day said, "What about Anti-Solar?" and I thought, "Well, that is very cool. You know, we're traveling for us, it's it's the travel beyond the sun, you know, be past the sun and away from it as we look back, sending back our musical vibes to the earth." I think is the is is how I see it anyway. So we thought Anti-Solar.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anti-solar, and let's just go with it. If you could describe your music to others, how would you do it in under ten words, Andrew? Ooh i I would say lush,
2: broad, and uh, I, I don't know, like laying down in a bed of sound.
0: So, what were some of the rejected names?
2: So we had uh, Star Pilots Alliance was one of them. Uh, yeah, the SPA and then the uh, Interstellar Pilots Alliance, the IPA, which, uh, you know, yeah, obviously has some other connotations there. So those were a couple of the ones that we went through that, that didn't quite make the cut, but all of them had kind of these similar like exploring the universe kind of themes to them. So there was a common thread running through it. And then one of Olivier's favorites too was uh, was Star Phoenix, which is one that came very close to making the cut, but in a way is kind of integrated into our logo. Like our, our logo has, you know, this very elegant looking Phoenix as, as a prominent feature of it. So that, that one kind of made the cut, but didn't, I guess. And that Phoenix is our ship.
0: Olivier, Studio City Sound in LA has special meaning for you both. What makes it such a special place to record?
1: Ah, good one. Uh, Nostalgia is a very, very important thing for me. I, uh, I kind of, I, everything I write, everything I, I even as an actor, I I really it's it's a powerful tool for me to go into. And Studio City has a lot of great memories for me uh, from from my time in L.A. in the early 2000s, leading up to the point where I met Andrew, when and where I met Andrew, which was Studio City in 2005, I believe, uh, (laughs) while working on another project, which Andrew ended up participating on a lot. Then I moved back to France after having lived in LA for quite a few years, and the idea of of coming back—I I remember that was my first trip back. When just when I landed in Burbank, just all the smells, the palm trees, the vibes, everything just came rushing back, and it, it, it put me in a, a really wonderful womb of memories to to then just sort of uh, travel travel in while I was in the recording studio and it just it just helps it's just it, it feels like you're embalmed in something special in a place that you really love
2: I was gonna say you're you're embalmed with the uh you know whatever's emitting from all the idling cars but that's well you know. from from <laughs> from point a to point b yeah the, the, the week, <laughs> are, are you, trip, you sure that's but, palm trees you're smelling well
1: yep. it, it was jet fuel probably
0: but <laughs> yeah it, <you> know, <laughs> yeah well, I was working together just seemed right
2: yeah, so I think for me, Olivier has a writing style that for me was was really just something I'd never heard before. I mean, there there's some close analogs, you know, in, in some other you know music that I love from the early two thousands, but at the same time, like you know, there there's this great element of surprise in a lot of Olivier's writing, in part because he'll do unconventional things like key changes at, at times that one wouldn't expect them and things that he just, just kind of hears and goes for that, you know, to me, kind of coming out of like a conservatory background was, was really just a breath of fresh air. So it, it, you know, opened my mind and gave me a lot of inspiration for just things to kind of explore. And really the overall aesthetic as well was something that I found very appealing. Just kind of the whole, again, kind of bed of sound and the, the lushness to the music was, was something that, you know, gave me a broad range of things that I kind of was inspired to, to try to explore.
1: We've, we've created this sort of symbiosis where, you know, being Andrew, being who he is and from the background, that he has really grounds my, in a good way, uh, grounds my creativity, which is, which is always a, a really difficult thing. It's a difficult thing to find that in a partner, you know, someone that really completes, we truly are a yin and a yang in, in many ways, a uh, very left brain, right brain in our ways of approaching the work. And then, and then we kind of mix all that up, you know, as we're, as we're performing So it it just, there's this really great, you know, 360 degree circle where we, where we really complete each other, Uh, you know, not, not to quote an old Tom Cruise film, but (laughs) it works really well for us. I think, I I, I think the songs are a testament to that and it it just brings all of our our respective uh, influences over the years into some really, you know, I think original sounds.
0: Andrew Doolittle. Olivia Ray now. They're known as anti solar and they join us beyond the mic. Gentlemen, Do We Tremble at Night was created after a mass shooting. How did the emotions of anger, fear, grief, and helplessness transform you creatively?
1: We kind of laughed the other day because uh, Andrew seems to think it was a different mass shooting to me. And I think it was probably over a few. The reality is is just the, the, the succession of the mass shootings was the initial spark. Uh, and our just our incredible ability as human beings to to just pass the buck when it comes to responsibility uh, our responsibility towards this planet it it just it just it just weighed a lot and it it's nothing more than just a need to cry out for me i if, if i if i don't do it with music which is probably the most elegant form uh, that i can come up with, to express myself, because everything else is just either punching punching someone, screaming at someone, you know, ridiculously in the middle of the Parisian streets where the stress is equal to, you know, New York City and whatnot. With the music, something just happens, and words just start to, to come out uh, in prose, a bit of an impressionistic style, I think I have, where, the, you know, my storytelling isn't linear at times, but yet the emotion gets released. And I'm very grateful that, that you know, Andrew really, really got into my head with that one and, and did some amazing work uh, with, with, with all of the instrumentation on that song.
2: Yeah, I think Tremble is one of those songs. It, it was really, I, I remember it very clearly. I was actually flying up to Canada and going through the airport when I got, stream of WhatsApp messages from Olivier that he was, you know, talking about having seen this horrendous thing on TV and basically starting to respond by writing. And I think that, you know, certainly there's a catharsis in music where, you know, these feelings that we find so difficult to wrestle with, just on a fundamental human level can find some expression through this medium. And then really... I think what's, what's particularly cool about that song is that it, it's morphed into a call to action on a lot of other levels. And it really went beyond just the response to the mass shooting into these broader questions of, you know, why are we so willing to tolerate, you know, just this endless succession of kind of violence towards each other, violence towards the environment, all these things that inevitably come right back to harm us as individuals you know whether we're the victims or the perpetrators it's it's a, a cycle that we as humans are all caught in and so really i think the, the overriding message of the song is hey let's let's take a step back here and see if this is really
0: the life that we want to collectively live olivia you explored kenya in your search for a change how did seeing the last two living northern white rhinos change you as a man
1: wow wow Sorry, ah, that almost drew a tear. Uh, it changed everything. I'm going back in a week, so it, it. I. Your hands are on extinction. Your hands are literally on extinction. Um, you know, it's really unfortunate, but the, it's 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 going to be a heck of a miracle if that species is able to to survive. And to witness that, to to see it, and to really have the, su- the Kenyan sunset in the background, hugging this animal, I couldn't help but just feel completely connected to something so spiritual, and at the same time, very real, very scientific. The biology that they're using to try and and perpetuate the species is really incredible and you're just i was just overwhelmed uh, by all of the efforts that are being uh, made by this conservancy not just this one but this was this is my first this was my first conservancy my first friends there. projects are continuing with them inspiring music uh, and documentaries and you just see a mirror of yourself Uh, these are the last two rhinos it could very well be the last two humans, at least on Earth. I think the rich ones will get away on the spaceship one day, but you know, um, the rest of us are
0: left with their with their fumes. Andrew, you're a guitarist, studio musician, and guitar professor. Mm-hmm. How is teaching help create change others for their future and for yours?
2: I mean, first of all, just just kind of more broadly in terms of teaching, there's there's such a great joy in in teaching and sharing knowledge, and I also feel like it's a real real refiner's fire in the sense that it really makes you become better about even your own understanding about things like if you can teach it your own depth of knowledge about it is inevitably going to deepen you know for me it's it's just a great joy to see how people take the information that i might share with them and and hopefully also just the inspiration that i convey and you know transform that into what it means for them in their own lives and their own path so it it, it may not even necessarily be a direct path into you know guitar specifically music generally something like that but just you know hopefully that something that continues to like inspire them and be a part of their life maybe all it does is change the way they listen to music and appreciate music but those things i think are kind of huge and rewarding in both directions enriching their life and certainly enriching mine as well
0: it's time for the rocking eight eight random questions answer with the first thing that comes to your mind there's no pressure since we have two guests (laughs) olivia being (laughs) further away from me will go first than andrew andrew what's one place you'll never be seen at under the foam at a dance club in Ibiza. (laughs) i was just talking to someone who nearly drowned
1: uh really (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Two days ago, he was telling me the story of him almost drowning in exactly that
0: situation.
2: Hence my answer, yeah.
0: <laughs> Perfect. How about for both of you? What's your worst habit when you get nervous? Huh. the worst. I suppose I fart a lot.
1: Um. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'll I'll go. Worst habit when I get nervous is probably forgetting things.
1: Uh, that's a, that's much cleaner than mine. I do have that too,
0: Olivier. What's in your famous homemade rib rub?
1: Yeah, which I'm going to be using in my restaurant here in a few weeks when it reopens in the Alps. But that, I'd be I'd be revealing a secret, secret ingredient, which is probably not so secret for everybody. But I like cayenne pepper.
0: Andrew, what's the one thing you cook other people ask for? Ooh, wow!
2: I would say my Christmas morning waffles.
1: Olivier, what do you miss about it, L.A.? I've already said the palm trees, right? So. Uh, <laughs> The obvious, the weather.
2: Andrew, what do you miss about Paris? Ooh, I would say uh, just the cool vibe walking the streets there late at night. Where's your favorite place to have
0: played music live?
1: I want to say L.A. I want to say L.A., but we had such amazing shows both in L.A. and Paris. So I'm going to
0: say L.A. I'll go Symphony Hall in Boston. There we go. That's cooler. Gentlemen, if you could replace one body part with a bionic replacement, which would you choose? My knee. <laughs> Too much skiing? Too much skiing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'll, I'll go with my legs because, you know, it, it'd be nice to have like a LeBron vertical jump. <laughs> What's the best album you've heard
1: that isn't
0: yours of all time? Ooh.
1: Oh, wow. Best album that isn't, obviously, of all time I I could name 10. I love so many different genres. Name a couple. Over the, in in each decade, there's something. I can name a couple. Um, The ones that really, I'll try and name a couple that really did something to me. Black Celebration by Depeche Mode really did something to me, as did their Songs of Faith and Devotion. I'm a big Depeche Mode fan, but that I was introduced with Black Celebration. Songs of Faith and Devotion, for me, is their best album. Any pick of Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, i absolutely love the chili peppers but uh the sex magic album 1991 was incredible uh pearl jam's 10 but the follow-up versus i just something that you know when that album opens up something happens to me the power uh behind that pearl jam album those three there kind of tell my universe you know the those three bands are quite different and and, and yet they're equally as important to me
2: um, I'll go with two. I'll go The Wall by Pink Floyd, and uh, second, the first Dire Straits record.
0: Non-relative, who inspires you to be better every day. Well, these days, it's the wildlife rangers that I
1: follow very closely. You know, more of them die than FBI agents in the line of fire, uh, and and what they do, and it's definitely not for the money.
2: Oh Man, I'm, I'm having a... a Tough time thinking about this one.
1: Um,
2: let's go. Uh, let's go, Tyler Lockett of the Seattle
0: Seahawks. If you're enjoying these conversations, please check out another Beyond the Mic episode to find more actors, artists, and people you need to know. We'd also appreciate a like and subscribe on the Good Pods app. It's time for the back half with Olivier and Andrew from Anti Solar Beyond the Mic. Olivier, as an actor, musician, and composer, you've allowed the creative process for your own evolution. How have you evolved from when you first started in music to now? Nice. Nice to have to think about that. Um, how have I evolved?
1: That's uh, you know, I think I believe more. I believe in the ability to, to think about something and take it, you know, past the finish line, whether it's a, a composition or uh, or a part like that just has come with a little bit more confidence in the job aspect that it's you know in my 20s it was part of um, a learning process to take all of this imaginary and hone all of that energy to do something that was creative but i, I it needed to become constructive i think that's how i've grown the, the most is i understand that process very well now and it allows me to believe in the most preposterous possibilities. And it gives me a, a blueprint on how to achieve it. It's a little bit more uh, methodical now.
0: Andrew, when did music first touch your soul and who gave you such a passion for it?
1: I would say that
2: that fundamentally the passion for music came from my mom in terms of like kind of planting the seed, but the, the real fire didn't get lit until I was 12 years old and went to a poison concert. And then it was like that's what I want to do, you know. And uh, yeah, it, for for better or worse, that set me on the course forever there. So
1: great, yeah. My father is a, is just a huge fan of music. I grew up from the earliest earliest memory. I I had class. I had Mozart. He's a huge fan of Mozart, and there so am I. Mozart and Beethoven. <laughs> Everyone else can fall off the face of the Mozart and Beethoven. He also just loved everything. We had Fleetwood Mac and the uh, and the Eagles playing in the seventies. When I, my earliest memories of music would be those two, along with the Star Wars soundtrack. And my his sister, my aunt, uh, was a, was an opera
0: singer. Olivia, when you're in front of a camera or on stage, how does your stage presence change from trying to impress a camera, which is pretty well, you know, it, you can't <laughs> impress it, to being in front uh, of fans? I,
1: yeah, great question. I, I don't know that it's trying to impress the camera or the fans. The, the camera allows you to bring your audience into, into your psychosis. You br- You bring the audience in. Stage work, you need to bring yourself out to the audience. And that's... To me, the fundamental difference between how you work stage versus camera, be it stage acting versus stage performance, but also, you know, recording, the difference between recording your album and then actually performing it in front of people will have that same effect, that same difference.
0: Do you still have butterflies when you are in front of the camera? Uh,
1: no. See, that's part of the evolution. I, I, I may get it. I may get nervous before, depending on the complexities of the scene or who i'm working with sometimes that can still have a bit of an impression you know the stakes can for all of us i think stakes tend to to determine just how nervous we get before something but you you trust in the foundation that you've built
0: andrew how has mentoring sean seagal changed you as a person <laughs> <laughs>
2: wow, um, Sean. Well, so I've I've known Sean forever. Sean, uh, I think, was kind of hanging around when, when he was like five years old, and uh, it's it's been awesome. Like, actually, around the time that Olivier and I were working on these songs, I also produced an EP for for Sean, and you know, it, it's it's been really cool just to see his growth. I mean, first of all, he he just became a, a fantastic guitar player, but he's also you know, always been very focused on ultimately what he wants to do, which is film scoring. And so I think you know he's he's kind of a case study and in, in everything that I hope for for a student. You know it's not necessarily to morph them into like the great guitar player, although again, Sean has certainly become that, but you know, mostly just kind of give them the tools to let this be a part of their life in whatever way they like. So I think you know, to that and the way in which it's changed me, is uh it's it's kind of just renewed my hope that this is a valid way that i can contribute to people's
1: lives gentlemen
0: How has your parents supported your artistry interesting well uh
1: <laughs> well i i lost my mother young i was in sort of in my expansion years i was in my early to mid 20s when my mother passed away so it was still a, a an early time but emotionally she was always very supportive um uh, my grandmother played a, a very big role in support on my father's side. Um, my father it, it was a bit more spotty. It was all he was always very doubtful, very suspicious. Even though his, you know, his his own father, my grandfather was uh, was an actor, director in the arts, and maybe that's why his and his sister was the opera singer. Uh, for him, it was it was definitely something that I would have to go and do on my own, and then come back with a. <laughs> a bit of proof that I made the right decision. So I don't know if that's being supportive or just, you know, passively waiting uh, to see if he can say bravo.
2: I have nothing but gratitude towards my parents who I I can remember really nothing but support from day one, which is, you know, amazing. I mean, I I think on some level, you know, subconsciously parents always want their kids to have something that's going to be stable and going to provide them a good life. But my parents never conveyed anything to me, but h- hope and optimism that that was possible and, and you know, just great support there. So um, yeah, I have, I have
0: nothing but thanks and gratitude for that. Andrew Doolittle, Olivier right now, they are anti-solar and they join us beyond the mic. Andrew is taping this interview in a car, hiding from his kids in LA. <laughs> <laughs> Olivier yeah, is hiding from his know, kids right? in his closet. <laughs> How has kids changed your life?
2: Um, I, I think that, it really just does a lot to, to remind you that it's not all about you, you know, that, that there's, there's much more to, to your life, to your pursuits. It, I mean, in a way it kind of circles back to a lot of those things that we talked about in conjunction with Dewey Tremble at night, which is, you know, ultimately what kind of world do we want to live in and what kind of world do we want to build? And those are the kind of things that I think just, just go way beyond, you know, whatever, whatever petty things may otherwise distract us. So I think, I mean, first of all, kids bring back such an amazing sense of wonder, which is just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing to have as a constant in your life. But then, the other part of it is that they they just take your mind off a lot of the petty things that can otherwise occupy you and, and draw
1: you back to what's really important. Yeah, and they're able to do that, you know, while screaming at the top of their lungs and <laughs> driving you absolutely crazy, uh, mm-hmm. trying to get everything in order. Rush. I mean, uh, you know, I forget things when i'm stressed and you know and and certainly the amount of times where 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 my little one is you know having a bit of a tantrum or is uh, when we have to leave him for something i i i seem to forget everything and i walk out like oh my god i forgot I, i forgot everything but maybe my keys so actually i left the keys in the apartment once while i had him outside in the middle of the winter so that was a fun day but yeah ultimately the big questions become bigger and songs like tremble take on an even more realistic meaning because they really you know i I feel like we're living in a time where we really do have to ask ourselves what kind of a world are we creating for for our children and i you know i'm reminded of that every single time i look at him speak with him and 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 play with him and uh andrew had filmed his daughter after she had watched the video that we we cut for the uh, rhinos association that we donated the song to and that that was an amazing thing to watch just how uh, impressionable she was and how she was able to communicate what she saw to Andrew was really incredible. And just, again, just the reminder of course it it hit directly home uh, with us. Uh, My son is a year and a half younger than, than his daughter. So, you know, very close in age.
0: Olivier, what do you want
1: for the future for your kids? I think there's a lot of course correcting that needs to happen. Um, it, it just seems like every avenue we take, if we follow it to its projected end, it doesn't look very good. You know, you pick your topic, pick any topic, and it, it just, it's just a bit bleak. But if, but at the same time, it's important to keep the hope up. And that, but if you have hope without direction, it, it becomes a bit senseless so i i just want him to grow up seeing things in the world that inspire him to to make the world better inclusive both with humanity with his environment and striving to to make sure that we weren't a quest for our own survival now it seems it's it's you know you look at the state of soil you look at the state of water you look at the state of the air you look at the state of 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 climate change and what that does uh you look at how much biodiversity we've killed over the last 50 years you look at you know the the daunting the daunting shadow of of the sixth great extinction on the planet and all of these things just are so overwhelming at least they are to me that i i i just it would be great in our lifetime to say that we have we have charted the course for earth and humans more importantly on earth to sort of climb out of this hole that that we've dug and it's go, it's just it's going to take a lot of eye opening moments and and for people to to sort of look at the greater picture of life as opposed to the day-to-day needs uh, which blind us you know i think one of the lyrics in tremble is have we been blinded by our lives and that's that, <laughs> that's kind of what it means it's what it points to it's the fact that have our lives and the kind of lives that we've created particularly the consumerism part of it have has all of that really made it just so difficult. To look at the bigger picture, to to even listen to people who have uh, just greater sentiments outside of their their own bubbles, bigger than themselves, and really want to to transcend and and as a humanity, as opposed to the pettiness that we live day to day. And I just I would love for my son to be able to to live in a world that's left a lot of that behind. Still a work in progress, but at the very least to have the blueprints. And that direction already set.
0: Andrew Doolittle, Olivia Ray now. They're known as Anti-Solar, and they join us beyond the mic. Andrew, how has your time in Oklahoma, Los Angeles, Paris, and around the world helped you discover who you are and who you want to be for your daughter?
2: I think that a big part of it is that it's made me just appreciate how broad and beautiful the world is. Growing up in the Midwest in, in Wisconsin and Oklahoma it's like you you have a certain set of experiences that then just going different places and seeing how Differently, people live, but then also realizing how much we're all the same really just gives a beautiful perspective, I think, on the world broadly. And uh, you know, I certainly want my daughter to have a lot of the same experiences, where she gets to travel, where she gets to you know experience all kind of the great things that the world has to offer. It it all contributes to kind of you know
0: realizing that there's a lot of beauty in in this big world that we live in. How has your time? This education in this cutthroat industry caused you to love. Or loath it.
1: I think what for music, for what we're, we're able to do, I think what's really wonderful is that I feel like there's a lot less pressure with this project uh, than, than some of the projects that I, I was, you know, endeavoring to uh, back in my 20s and early 30s. It, it, it felt then like, you know, so much energy was wasted on the need for it to work. It needed to be validated. It had to be something... That, that just, you know, was successful and, and measured success. I never imagined myself, you know, at the Grammys, but just I, I needed some kind of a validation where with this particular project, it's great because, and even now as I'm writing new material, I just feel like there's so much, the channels are open and, and, and it really allows for the pressure to be a lot less as, as far as loathing. I don't know that I'm loathing the, the music side of things right now. I'm quite fascinated with the DIY music scene because it's up to you really. And it, you can, you don't have to answer to labels shooting you down a lot like casting directors in the, in, in the acting industry you follow a few steps and you can at least get your music on the platforms and it's, once it's on the platforms you can promote yourself you cut out a middleman which they're the ones that used to make me loathe the music industry so the loathing part for me comes more <laughs> into the acting with the difficulties uh, sometimes you have as an actor to to just get casting directors to notice you and uh, and to you know allow for them to allow you to just audition for something. You know, you're not asking for any hand-me-downs. You're not asking for, for anyone to hand you the part. But just to be able to to audition for something in a world that has so much content now and the ability to do audition in your closet, on your iPhone. So I, I guess the loathing part comes with uh, the fact that technology has made it easier and sometimes it's not necessarily the case.
2: My answer to that is that, uh, first of all, I agree with Olivia that I think in a lot of ways the, the industry is better in the sense that it's much more accessible than it used to be. And I I loathe it a lot less, I think, you know, because of that. And then the other part of it too, is that I, I think that a lot of what is important to kind of recognize about the industry is that, you know, it's, it's like any other business where basically the the real question is always kind of, well, what, what's in it for each party? Um, and so when you kind of recognize that, like, look, everybody's got, you know, there's certain thing that they're trying to do within the industry, whether you're on the creative side or the promotional side or anything like that, it's, you know, you kind of realize that like, okay, this is really about just kind of working with each other and building each other up. And that's something that I think people can kind of discover on a micro scale with the industry the way that it is today. And I've found it really both exciting and encouraging just for, you know, kind of
0: what you're able to do in that realm in this day and age. Looking back on that one moment when a mutual friend got you together for a recording session, how important was that one moment in both of your
1: lives? Well, I'm still in the music business, thanks to it. <laughs> you know, meeting Andrew, I a mutual friend was Luke Tozer, I believe. We were in a recording session were guitar tracks and Luke Tozer was was tracking them and invited Andrew to to come along and that that was the, the genesis which led to Andrew um, becoming our music director shortly thereafter when we started doing the live shows both in LA as well as in Paris also forging an incredible friendship over the years. so it, the friendship guides the music really and and there it is here we are you know on the wrong side of 40 still uh pushing tracks and the 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 diy music scene is is allowing us to to do so in our 40s and and not really question it so it's uh it was looking back yeah it was it's quite the the pivotal moment right place right time for both of us.
2: I think uh the one thing that I remember so clearly about that day that I'll pass on is advice to anybody else trying to kind of come up in the industry is it's always smart to buy lunch for, you know, the principals whenever you go somewhere. Yeah, it was at a recording session where they were tracking guitars with uh with Tim Pierce who's like a- absolutely legendary studio musician here and so my friend Luke had invited me basically to be a fly on the wall for that session and I just remember buying lunch and hanging out with all those guys. Yeah, I mean that obviously it it created a lot of opportunity for me, you know, obviously with Olivier and then also in terms of just how it, it cemented my relationship with some of the other people, including Luke that were involved in that project. And it was definitely one of those moments that stands out as kind of a mark in time that a lot of positive
1: things
0: grew out of. What's your next challenge other than getting together?
1: Yeah, that, well, that's, you just hit it. You know, the discussions are about when, when am I coming back? Uh, to, to record new stuff, I, I'm happy to say that I've got some really, uh, for me, I'm excited about about four songs to record. So that'll be the, the initial challenge. I think at the same time, it's, it's about continuing to generate excitement and find new listeners with the songs that we're already pushing now. You know, they it can be a slow process. So for a lot of people it's important to remember that for a lot of people out there, it's going to be the first time that they hear it, the day that they hear it. So it's not always about when it was released. It's also about the fact that, well, it's going to be a slow burner. And for a lot of people they're going to hear tremble or they're going to hear awake when they hear it. And that could that could spark more interest, generate new listeners for the older stuff. And it's important to keep on them as well as the new material, because obviously we know content is is key and there's no better content than the actual music that, you, that you're able to produce.
2: I feel like a big part of it is that at this point, because this is kind of a whole new music industry compared to, you know, when we were last self-releasing anything, we're learning so much with every single release at this point. So like every single that we put out, we try to get better in terms of how we promote. <laughs> Yeah, and and do different things with it. So, um, so that's that's the big challenge for us. Sorry, my daughter. (laughs) Okay, yes, I see. It's beautiful. Do you want me to start that one over, Sean?
0: (laughs) It's okay. There's nothing better than the joy of kids. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) What's one thing you want people to remember about anti solar and you?
1: You know, I, I had a, I can't remember exactly how I phrased it, but we we were, Andrew had asked me some questions uh, for a a blog review recently and it, it had you know i i kind of had to think about what anti-solar is to me or the music or describe it if you will and you know a lot of I, I mean i love for our songs to make people want to just run outside jump in a convertible car and if they don't have one literally go to hertz and just rent one for the day and just feel the elation that that music can bring you know that feeling of the top-down music driving in a straight line for 100 miles at 100 miles an hour there's something about that's what i I mean that's what i loved growing up i i i I love that feeling of of freedom that music can can bring and even though the topics are born out of despondence or, or or heartache or or you know confusion about where we are in the world I really want the songs to still sort of transport people and, and take them somewhere. And, and, you know, for the most part, walk away feeling joyous and elated. And, and I think I want that for the music. And as far as us, you know, just the, well, just the two, the two schmucks that wanted to take them there, you know, late into our seventies, if we can.
2: I feel like I want people to know and, and to kind of just be cognizant that it's we really aim to be universal in a lot of ways. I was just talking about this with, with somebody yesterday in reference to a song. There are certain lyrics and in, in different things that have very, very specific meaning to us, but that I think, you know, are, are also broad enough that people can read their own experiences into them. A lot of it is just, you know, I want people to find their own meaning in these songs as much as, you know, we might try to direct them in certain ways. It's like, what, what ways in your own life do you find these things relatable and uh, yeah. hopefully inspiring as
1: well? Yeah, that's a very important point.
0: It's time for one big question with Andrew Doolittle and Olivier Renaud from Antisolar Beyond the Mic. Gentlemen, we've been talking about change today. Do you think massive change in our current world is actually possible or is it more dependent on more than one person attempting it?
1: I definitely think it's, it, it's dependent on a lot of people wanting to change, uh, but as well as governments getting together to actually make that change. And we saw with COVID that if we put all red, if we just cut all the red tape and all the obsolescence and, and we put the, the idea that, you know, we can get there, but let's do it slowly so that we can bleed as much money out of this product as possible versus this product and this energy versus that. We needed to get something done quickly and we we were able to come up with a vaccine in in a, you know, if compared to other vaccines throughout history, it's incredible the achievement that we were able to come up with. And I think we can do the exact same thing. I think COVID should serve as a, a sort of a model for exactly how we need to approach the world now. But for that, a lot of people have to come together and and stop the pettiness. I think we politicize a lot of things. And I think a lot of people are doubling down on that and not necessarily because they're bad people, because it's what they know. And they're protecting what they know for the fear of what they don't. Right. I mean, that's, that's what we do as humans. And it's that to me is that balance Uh, and that area between the two is where i like to to sit and watch and get inspired for music actually so um i do think change is possible it has to happen with me i need i need to change a lot about myself i'm constantly doing things wrong and still because of what i've learned i need to unlearn i'm hardwired in a certain way that still affects decisions that i make today which aren't good decisions from oops you know, didn't do my recycling as well as I could. Oh, I, you know, I washed this can of tuna with water. I shouldn't be doing that. Those are, you know, the small things to even bigger things. So it starts with me. But on the bigger picture, yeah, I, the clock is ticking. And we need to start listening to people a little bit more that know what they're on about. Uh, that Once that's done, and I, I hope we do it before really we reach the alarm bells That's, that's my concern is that we do it a bit late, but I, you know, I I, want to remain hopeful. I have to remain hopeful Mm -hmm. because I have a two-year-old now.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think we have to have hope, right? I think that that's, you know, the the first and foremost thing is is we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll certainly never accomplish anything if we let hope go by the wayside. Hope is absolutely first and foremost. And then I I do absolutely also have just a, a belief in the ability, you know, of humanity to, to do absolutely great things if there's the will to do so. I mean, you know, think about things like the Manhattan Project or things like that where it's like you, you know, tackle seemingly insurmountable odds in, you know, a relatively short period of time. I think that we have reason to have optimism if we can muster the will to push us over the finish line with some of these things.
0: They want bionic knees and legs, forget things when they're nervous, and you won't see them <laughs> under the foam at a dance club. They are anti-solar. We think Andrew Doolittle... <laughs> and Olivier now for taking the time to talk with us today. Amazing. Thank you, Sean. Yep, thank you, Sean. And that, my friends, is Beyond the Mic.